Welcome to the DevReady podcast. We'll be helping non-techs build better tech. Today, we're joined by Neil Bhattacharya. She is a uh, consultant at Infosys, looking at UX um, and also CX, so how we can actually improve the customer experience and also the UI within solutions as well. Neil, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for the glorious introduction as well. <laughs> I appreciate it. So before we dig in, um, I like to always get an understanding of, or for our audience, who we're talking to, a bit of your background and uh, experience in the space. Absolutely. So uh, currently I'm working with Infosys Consulting um, for about close to four years now, and I'm consulting um, the big fives, the big fours, uh, and the tech telecoms on their um, CX and the marketing strategies. But before that, I was um, with Western Union companies like IBM, Dell, and throughout the marketing space, um, consulting or working along with the teams on the CX and the UX space. Very good. So um, a lot of the big end of town. So in terms of CX, it's always a question, in your words, what is CX? So people get an understanding of what that actually means um, and sort of explain what that process could mean for a business or uh, someone building a product going through that customer experience. Yeah, I think those letters are thrown out a lot, but a lot of yeah, people don't actually know what it is. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So what I um, usually come across and um, how these organizations use CX, customer experience, customer service interchangeably, and that is something I have, you know, great objection to because they're similar, but they're not the same. Um, so the term which is widely used um, essentially in the SaaS world, that is called um, the customer experience. And in my opinion, it is um, just an impression you leave with your customer, uh, you know, based on how they think, how they feel when they interact with the organization or, or digital space based on whatever product you have. And um, and later you can get on to, uh, you know, more serious um, customer journey mapping platforms or whatever you may call it. But the, the basis of it, it is just an experience. And um, there are some activities which are associated with customer experience and that that might help us identify what is CX versus what is customer service. And those would be the support channels like um, doing the NPS scores for the customers uh, to know how they feel about it um, or minimizing the friction while um, they, they are in the checkout process from if, if you have a you know digital transaction going and building the policies, um, practicing positive communication and so on. Yes, yeah, so Obviously, experience is something that's, you mentioned NPS scores, but how do we really understand how a customer is experiencing our brand or our business? It's probably a, a question that people would like to think about, especially if they're starting out or thinking about it conceptually. How would they manage this from uh, understanding the, the way the customer experiences their business? Yes, yeah, sure. So to answer this question, probably um, what we need to do is if once the product is built, um, once the company is on a platform uh, to launch or has just been launched, to get um, one of these, uh, you know, customer experience tools, and they just assist. Uh, they will probably assist the entrepreneur to understand how to measure the impact of what they are um, doing with their customers. And there are definitely those um, really the 
big tools available in the market, something like um, you know Zendesk, Salesforce, and so on. But um, for for startups, probably I would suggest something which is like just as basic as a survey. So um, SurveyMonkey has launched um, one of their platforms, um, and that's called SurveyMonkey CX, if I'm not mistaken. That will allow these companies to survey their customers if they sell a product. Maybe just send out the survey to see how they feel. And um, SurveyMonkey is quite intuitive enough to have these ten pointer questions, which we could edit or customize based on whatever product um, you're offering. And then give it off to your customers. Um, and also, there, there's something like a tool called Delighted. So, if these um, tools um, allow um, the, if if you can set up intuitively within your digital platform, you can just send it out for for service to your customers, and um, that will solve the purpose. That's just as simple as sending out a survey and getting some feedback from your users to be able to gauge how they feel. Absolutely, absolutely. But um, if if you definitely have deep pockets and you want to explore more and in the full range of um, you know customer experience, you can go with something uh, like uh, Zendesk. It has a full service CRM platform. It is built on AWS. Um, it will allow you to do all these parameters, like have a live live chat. Um, sales CRM function, which is very um, intuitive, uh, very much like Salesforce. And then you have analytics, you have reporting, uh, but totally depends on um, the budget and also the basic needs. Because for the startup, you might not need like a, a full scale of robust platform, but what you need to do is to maximize the potential of any small uh, you know, tool that you can implement and get results out of that. Okay. What would you say would be like the key difference then say between good customer service and what customer experience is? Is is the experience what you get from good customer service or are they separate and more like more separated than that? Um, so good customer service and the good customer experience would, um, you know, again, as I said, that these two terms are uh, interchangeably used. Um, but customer experience would be um, the the impression you leave with your um, customers, whereas customer service is a part of the entire customer experience. Um, so it is, um, I think, a sub sub product of the customer experience, wherein the, whatever the interaction points of the customer are, uh, be it digital, be it uh, like a phone call with a customer service agent, uh, be it a video call, it is just those interaction points, how that is captured. Um, but that's not a holistic platform on its own. Yeah, so then that would even cover, say, touch points, so notifications, emails, SMSs, or things like that. So anytime you're interacting with a customer, not just when it's a face-to-face agent or a person. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. So I think, yeah, a lot of people probably get them, like you said, they use them interchangeably and they get mixed up what it actually means or how to measure it properly. So using some of those tools should definitely then put you in the right direction to just ask those questions and then illuminate some of these things for you. Yes, absolutely. So that is the um, whole um, point of having some metrics in place because they can loosely guide uh, the entrepreneur or the businessman in the right direction. And if there are gaps, then you can know what actions to take to fulfill those gaps. On the metrics you mentioned there, what sort of things as a business should be at least minimum three to five things should we be starting with to track around the experience and the journey that a customer has with us? 
Absolutely. So um, in terms of metrics, like the one I just pointed out, um, that is the survey. So the survey allows the organization to know um, the NPS scores. And based on the answers of the survey, you can, you know, have like a benchmark for your organization that works and have questions like out of 10, if they are more than eight, then you can probably give yourself a higher NPS scores as versus as opposed to if you, you know, get a score of less than four, um, then you could give yourself a lower NPS score. But definitely does not have to be a questionnaire of 10. You can also have something like a, a question how good your experience was. You can have five stars, four stars, three stars. So NPS probably is, is something um, which... Um, I would recommend organization to start off with. An average score, say below seven, would suggest you have are having uh, you know serious customer experience issues, and you need to uh, go and um, you know see the entire supply chain or the entire chain to see um, where on you can you know pick up um, the thread and um, and revamp the services. And then there are other CSAT scores, uh, which essentially is a uh, conduct customer um, satisfaction surveys, which on a periodic basis um, just ensures the positive performance. Um, then you have average customer lifetime value. Lifetime value. This is for more established businesses, for businesses who are in, you know, in, in business or in service for more than six months to a year, because then they would know if what the customer churn is like, uh, how many people are staying with the customer, what the customer loyalty is like, and if they are referring new customers and all. And, and of course, there's return rates um, to suggest that the higher than average return rates suggest that your customer experience isn't giving customers the information they need to make a decision. Okay. I was going to say, what is the NPS score? I'm not familiar with that term. Yes, so an NPS score is essentially um, the satisfaction uh, score. I can't um, really recall because we use NPS so extensively. Uh, it's just what the uh, full form of... I, I Googled it in the background, so I pretended oh, I knew it. Awesome. It's a net, pro net promoter score. So, oh, yes, uh, yes. Yes, so I imagine that's how, like, from 1 to 10, how much, how would you promote or the our products and services to your friends. That might be a, one simple question around that to give you a bit of an understanding, but that's what I assume it would be. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon my fuzzy um, uh, brain. That's okay. <laughs> when we use uh, acronyms and uh, it always, uh, yeah. We, we no, I'm sure there's a few other people listening, <laughs> unlike, yeah, unlike me who don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, then, so then getting those metrics in place will give you a, a clearer picture of, how customers feel about your business, if they'd refer you or recommend you to their friends or family or other people. And then what does that as an overall, how, how useful is that to your business? Would you say, or like, what can you use that to drive forward with? So um, NPS scores um, give an understanding to the business based on what the question is. So if you're just depending on the five-star, four-star, three-star reviews, um, then you would know where exactly the problem is. So these are the customers you need to watch out for. You need to go out to them with, say, more detailed service to understand where exactly what the problem was. Was the problem with the product? Was the problem with the whole experience they had while they were ordering the product? Was the problem with the, uh, you know, receiving the product? Maybe there was a delay. So you need to pinpoint based on the service to know where the problem was and then address the issue. So NPS score is just a starting point to help organizations understand 
where the issue is and what they can do to mitigate those issues. Okay, so the, that's the thread you're pulling that you mentioned earlier. So just yeah, pointing in the right direction um, yeah, gives you some clarity on something that you might not have known if you hadn't gone through that process. Absolutely. A term in this area I've heard is the the value chain, how you manage the customer through the value chain in the business. Um, and that might be specific areas of the business where they go from on early stage pre-sales to onboarding to support, interacting with accounts, all these bits and pieces are part of the value chain and then one thing may fall down. How do we look at strategizing this as a business holistically and understanding all the little bits that a customer may interact with, um, what areas should we be focusing on first because some of this stuff may take time? What would you recommend there? Um, in terms of the value chain, I think um, the the first step is to understand um, what are the kind of people and personas you're catering to. Uh, so persona is, is this term we use um, in CX a lot, but essentially it is um, the kind of people you're catering to, what what kind of business you have, and then understand um, and then break down the entire process into small bits and pieces um, to see how you're fulfilling those needs. For example, um, you need um, data such as age, gender, um, location, the the habits of the people you're catering to, their interest. And knowing all these information about your customer will just help you customize your product, your services, your communication to these people in a more holistic way. And, uh, you know, it will help you allow you to know their pain points and then how to cater to their pain points, um, how to deliver a solution to them. So I think the first step um, while understanding or, or if you want to break down the entire value chain to know is um, how can you create personas out of your customers? Um, for example, um, an exercise we do um, quite often is to personify the target audience. Uh, for example, if the target audience is a middle-aged um, person living in a urban city um, of Australia, we will uh, call that guy Brad and see how does Brad's life look like. Uh, Brad has two kids, Brad has a dog, Brad has a you know house in the suburbs, uh, Brad commutes, um, you know, drives down to work or he takes the train. What does Brad like? Um, you know, he drinks coffee, um, he likes wine. So things like that, we'll personify Brad and see where our products fit, fits into Brad's lifestyle. And then cater the communication to see what Brad's checking out so that we know exactly how to reach out to Brad um, and, um, and, and so on. And based on personification of that customer, we, then the next step for us is to go and create probably uh, a journey map to see, okay, uh, what does Brad do on a day-to-day basis? Where does he stop? And when Brad wants to buy a product and for... Uh, you know, hypothetically, um, let's say I'm, uh, you know, selling uh, mobile devices, all right? Or um, uh, so I want to know, uh, mobile devices probably are mobile cases, right? I want to know what are the colors um, Brad needs, what are the functionality in a mobile case Brad would need. Brad uses it in the car, uh, puts it in his pocket, how, how does that look like for Brad? And then based on that, create a map. 
and then based on what his interests are um, for leisure, like he would read a tech magazine, I would go and advertise there. I would go and advertise to, uh, you know, adverts or ads on places where Brad goes to. And based on that, I'll complete that journey for Brad. And and then on, and millions of other customers who are like Brad, who we want to reach out to. Um, that would probably set us a clear goal for how we are you know, attempting to do that. I, I always, always, just on the personas, I always find that quite fascinating um, how you get to a persona. So can you explain that a little bit on how you might get to defining Brad per se? Um, what process do you go down to get that clear in your mind? Because I think you mentioned one thing there quite interesting um, that I haven't heard specifically before is you're going to advertise in the places that Brad hangs out in not relative to your product, but what he's actually uh, engaging in around his lifestyle. So how do you get to the definition of the persona, persona, personas? Is that just research surveying? What do you generally do in that space? Um, actually, a mix of um, all of it. And also, it has um, it has a fair bit of intuition, um, you know, added to that. Um, if I have a product which has um, which is something like an agronomic baby carrier then I would see I would target um, you know age groups where uh, people have little kids and would need to use the baby carrier so I would probably target people between 25 to 35 and see what their average lifestyle is like for example people who have already had children before they would you know uh, sometimes rely on using hand-me-downs but people who have first-time parents would want to have the best for their baby. And if my product is launching at the time of the birth, that is when I would love to target. Then also in terms of what, uh, if my product is launching three months down the line, I want to see where the parents are, where are these mums to be hanging out. So I would go and advertise any of these places where the mums to be are hanging out. For example, um, a cafe, uh, uh, you know, mom groups. Or, um, you know, maybe um, at the caregiver, um, you know, near the caregiver, near the hospitals. Um, so any of these places where, um, you know, moms to be hang out, I would want to advertise. I would like to advertise to the young dads as well. Um, dads to be where they hang out, what they do for leisure. Do they play tennis? Do they, um, you know, watch movies for fun? So most of these places, and if they are online, people do, uh, you know, spend a fair bit of time online these days. What are the channels they would love? Is, is that Facebook? If that's Facebook, is there any particular group which I can target? So there's so many groups. If you see the subgroups, um, which are mom groups, um, mom to be, you know, babies in, say, um, 2022 babies group, you know, things like that. Um, so I want to target such groups and want to ensure that when I'm advertising, for example, if I'm doing a Facebook retargeting ad, these are the channels I select. So they are advertised well. So um, so based on that, if I create, um, go on, uh, you know, you know, diving deeper, I would know what exactly um, this person, I'll call her, say, Rosali. And I will know what Rosali likes, what, um, you know, who she hangs out with, her friends, age group. Um, is she attending, uh, you know, what does she love to wear? If she, you know, is a you know, our average shopper, does she shop digitally or, you know, does she go to the shops, window shopping? So I would target all those channels, what she loves and what does Rosalie's husband do? So that would be an another persona because he would follow his own lifestyle and patterns. So 
based on that, there would be a pattern if I draw Rosali um, after this doing this exercise for some time. I, I would know exactly what the preferences are. And based on that, uh, I will select the channels for Rosali, for Prad, and so on. And if there are any other takers, for example, if a grandparents play a, you know, play a decision-making role while purchasing, if um, if an agronomic career is also a part of your, you know, gift for your nursery. So I want to ensure that we are a part of that as well. Does that answer your question? It does, yes. Yeah, it's about painting thorough. a picture. Yeah, it's about painting a picture of what a, who a customer might be. And I think that all goes back to what the product is. Um, is it an upmarket product? Is it a medium, lower end? I think that will probably frame the personas as well. So there's plenty in that. And I think it's is it a, is it a bit of um, intuition as well as to what the customers may like or how do you get to – there's no one answer as uh, this group on, online that I can find, but like, what is it that drives that? Is it the research behind it? What research gives you those little uh, jigsaw puzzles, really, putting it together? To yeah, a picture absolutely. Of the person. But one thing I would love to add is while doing a persona, there's no single persona for one product. For example, um, if I'm doing one product, there can be like multiple personas at different stages of lifestyle, which would influence one of the target audience might be a main buyer or purchaser for the product. But there are so many other people who influence who might purchase the product as well. And, um, and all of it together would make a persona tree and not just one influencer, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah, there's never just one persona. That's not going to make any sense at all. Um, but I think it gives you a little bit of context when you go to market to that person because you get a feel and a sense of what they might appreciate and, and respond to then. And I think, yeah, and that all comes down to testing too, right? So you can define these personas, but as you test and build your marketing around these personas, the feedback is, is anyone getting atten drawing attention in through that ad? One would imagine that's your feedback loop, right, where you can then fine-tune. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's where probably as a next step up, your surveys come into the picture, your entire conversation with these personas because personas are largely make-believe. Uh, you can do a lot of market research before launching, but there is a lot of hypothetical elements which are involved in the whole process. So once you launch, once the personas are live, then you interact with one of those personas and they, they will help you chisel down. Like what is um, right, what is wrong, um, where did they find? So there is one of these typical questions in most of these NPS survey um, or whenever you, you know, you know, fill uh, like say online questionnaire, you will, where did you hear about us? So that is one question which will help you identify, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe the person does not visit, you know, um, the, the Facebook groups. So maybe the person does something else. And um, so those sort of things will help you identify like what was right or wrong. And then you go back and, you know, it, it's an iterative process. You go back. And yeah, so you right. test and gauge, you make your assumptions, test the marketing in those specific areas and then see if it works. If it doesn't, adjust your persona and try again. And just keep doing that until yes. you get, I guess, as much coverage as possible on as many people as possible. Absolutely. So persona is something which you do in the start. It's iterative. But at the same time, what 
what these personas do eventually is create a journey map for you. And those journey maps define where all these customers or touch points happen with your company, the interaction points. And those interaction points are something which, uh, which will tell you whether a customer is delighted with the experience, not happy, happy, and where they stand. And then um, you can go and improve those experiences for them. Okay. That's um, always an interesting topic. So if I were starting out um, as a persona as a step one, that's where you would start the process and then basically build out a map and a journey as how the customer may interact with the business. Um, and then is it tailoring the experience for the personas or type demographic that you attract or is that a little bit too far at the beginning how do you tailor the interactions with particular clients um, and customers depending on their personas if if we do anyway i'm not quite sure yes absolutely so um so what personas do is to help um, an organization um, as or these personas assist with the planning process um in terms of help the custom uh, you know, the business visualize how these um, personas interact throughout the journey with the business. And then um, once we reach a point when we are interacting directly with the customers and we can we have a chance to go back and um, fix, we also fix in the process, we fix the marketing messages we do with the customer. Um, so the tone of, you know, the language, we use in the marketing message because we don't want to use a very casual tone if we are speaking to a banker and writing one of the corporate emails. So based on our product, we'll change the tone. We'll realize that, okay, this is a serious customer. This is not um, a customer who would like, um, you know, to be greeted um, with, you know, um, with your hair, how are you doing? You want something which is a more, you know, a, a tone which is serious you want to you know customize your service you know subject of the email and similarly you want to you know uh, go and uh, you know i would say rectify or change the different messaging you have uh, what are the channels we are using are you um, using linkedin to promote yourself or are you using facebook or you're using twitter if you're doing all three and what is the tone of language that you're using? Because um, now these three are so diversified channels. Um, and, and some also, you know, use, um, say, TikTok. So depending, uh, the, these personas will help you select your right channel for your right audience and um, help you curate the messaging for each of these. If you're writing white papers as opposed to doing, uh, you know, videos, then what is the content of the white paper? If you're doing webinar, then it will help you, you know, um, do that. And I'm guessing there's a lot of like A-B testing inside of all of those as well. Did you get the right message for the right channel? Absolutely. So, uh, yeah. CX is such is entwined to the marketing of the business. Um, it's like a, just a part of it. So mm -hmm. CX is just one part of it. But what it helps eventually is to probably channelize or um, you know chisel your marketing. Yeah, I think it's it seems when you discuss it and frame it, it all is very intertwined with marketing and how we might market to our customers. But it goes beyond that because um, once they are customers we're engaging with them so it's still once they convert from a non-customer to maybe they've got some interest in the product or service then maybe to buying but then they're they're a customer now so it's a whole 
gamut from start to finish um, and how we actually engage with them. So it's a bit more than just marketing for new customers, but it's also engaging them through the process. And I think um, it it's an interesting space. How important do you think this is to businesses to really look at and dig into if they're really going to give a make a success out of their products? Um, how important is it building a strategy around customer experience along the journey for them? Yeah, good question. Actually, it's really important. I can't probably emphasize it enough because um, the CX is the entire experience of the business. So um, one part of the CX is definitely um, going around and finding new customers while you're building out the business. But the more crucial role that CX plays in a business is the retention of the customers or the loyalty of the customers. So if CX is um, you know, if it's not very well defined, well etched out, then you will get businesses. You will definitely get like a first time, you know, a whole host of first time customers. But it'll be so difficult for you to retain those customers and keep them in the business and doing repeat business with them, because everybody is uh, at the end of the day they are all looking for a great experience. Um, they want something new which has not been offered to them before, and um, to be able to do that. You will Definitely businesses need to set up update and then keep offering them new things so that they can, you know, keep their interest alive. And uh, that sounds like quite well. And one of the key things you said in there around a metric would be retention, right? So if you're retaining customers and your retention rates are rising, especially in the world of SaaS or technology products, Generally, you're probably doing a good thing by your customers. If you're going on downhill, that means something's going to rise. So it might be worth um, looking into your customer experience and customer journey um, and understanding that and maybe surveying, getting a bit of a grip on what the challenges are with customers. So I think um, there's plenty for people to take away from this episode in terms of what they can actually sink their teeth into um, in terms of learning about CX. Um, now, Thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure talking about customer experience and coming on to the DevReady podcast. Really appreciate your time. Um, and hopefully some people out there can take um, a little bit of information from this and implement this into their, their business. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.